Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. Okay, we are back for another episode of Going There this week, and we're excited to have another interview. We've kind of been going back and forth between some standalone episodes with Christian and I, and this week we're excited to have a fun guest. Yes, guys, we are thrilled to have Victoria Yates on today. Guys, after friendship, this topic that we're kind of broaching today is one of our most asked about topics. And to be honest, Samantha and I have just never felt uber comfortable that we have good information to share with you all about this. And so today we are talking to Victoria about intuitive eating and body image. So we just know that this is a big topic. And so I also just want to say that from the beginning of the conversation, Samantha and I are not coming from the place that we have all the answers and know exactly what this story and this experience has been like for everyone. But we wanted to bring on an expert, someone who does a lot of this coaching personally for people and just has a lot of experience of what that looks like, how to help, how to support. And so we're excited to talk to you today, Victoria. So welcome. Thanks for being yeah, here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yes. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, we met Victoria via Instagram, actually. Just, again, kind of another like online relationship that we've now both consumed each other's content for a little bit now. And so we we're excited to sit down with her today. But Victoria, why don't you just start off telling about just yourself, your life, your hobbies, your work. What do you do and what does life look like for you? Yeah, so... Just to lead it off, my name is Victoria Yates, and I am currently working as an intuitive eating and body image coach for women. My background professionally, though, is nursing. So I was a nurse for five years before getting into coaching full-time. I started my coaching business part-time while I was still working as a nurse. And I worked in a couple different fields. I worked in labor and delivery for a little while, and then I worked in pediatrics for a little while. But really my heart and soul, and I feel like like my God-given calling is in this work on helping women to have a better relationship with food and their bodies. And maybe I'm like jumping too far ahead of things, but it. it really just came from my own story of struggling with, with those things. But before I go to that deep stuff, I live in Greenville, South Carolina with my family. I have you know, my husband and then I have two kids. I have a boy who is two and a girl who is one. Um, Busy so month. Yeah. <laughs> Tight ages. Yes. Yeah. It's so fun seeing them together. That was not the plan, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, that was God's plan. That was yeah. not my plan to have them 14 months apart. But just it's been such a fun thing to see them just love each other and just, I don't know, just siblings is it's just fun. So that is really sweet. <laughs> So I guess like some things that we like to do here, like pre-kids, one of my favorite hobbies with my husband was going to a coffee shop and just sitting for hours and reading and just like being there. That doesn't happen as often anymore, but you know, sometimes if we can just like escape out for a date night and and kind of like hit the coffee shop afterwards, that's always fun. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I love that. I love that. I was kind of saying before we started recording, you know, as we were saying hello, I'm excited for this interview because I think no matter where you are on the spectrum with this, in our culture, whether you are a girl who has struggled with a really intense eating disorder of some kind 
or you are someone that maybe is more just like constantly inundated with the messages that we're being sent about food and the way we consume thing. And I know I saw a reel maybe yesterday about you just even talking about how certain foods are portrayed as innocent or guilty and like how we're just taught that as a young age. And I was even thinking from that reel of thinking of like, oh, my guilty pleasure is like eating ice cream after, you know, bedtime or whatever it is at night or and how like we put these labels on food. So I'm excited to have this conversation because you're either walking through this or you probably have a friend in your life that's been really severely impacted by this or even just as you were talking about like if you're a mom, like I'm trying to navigate, how do I talk about food with my four-year-old? How do I try to avoid some of these things that I think, I don't know exactly how old you are, Victoria, but for Christian and I, growing up in the 90s where, I mean, my mom did talk about kind of dieting and there's always been this, I don't know, diet culture was more of a thing maybe back then and now it's more in our face, but it's it's kind of promoted as like better maybe because it's this clean eating or these fancy words. So all that to say, I'm really excited for this conversation and we hope our listeners will enjoy it. Yeah. So start is there. You obviously like broached that topic a little bit, but how did you get into being passionate about eating, about body image coaching? Walk us through like, how did you get to where you are today in that sphere? So I like grew up in the same time as you guys and dieting was just like watching my mom, my grandmother dieting and just not having a great relationship with food. And I wouldn't have used those terms in the past because I don't know, I just didn't have that awareness, but looking back and it's like, you know, that was obviously, obviously they didn't have a great relationship with food themselves. And I think a lot of that just, you know, as kids, we absorb everything. I'm learning that with my two-year-old that, you know, they just absorb everything. And so for me, me personally, I kind of describe it as like an eating disorder kind of slipped in through the back door and it really came from just this desire to be healthy. So I was in middle school, high school age when, you know, your body just naturally as women, we go through those changes with puberty and and just a lot of times that's kind of the first trigger for people to start to think about dieting and for me personally, it's never like, I never said I was dieting. Like I never said I'm going to go on a diet, but I kind of took this extreme approach to health because that's like the message that I got was, you know, you can control your body and control basically your life and your health through what you eat. And it was kind of like, there were a whole slew of events that really like looking back and going through therapy and all of those things that gave me some awareness as to why I I went that route. But ultimately it was that searching for that control. So like I woke up one day and I had an eating disorder and it took me a really long time personally to come to that awareness for myself. Because like I said, I just, on the outside for me, I looked like most of what I saw in magazines and just in our culture and even with friends, I think there is a lot more, let's just say disordered eating. Most women have some experience with disordered eating, even if it's not like a full-blown eating disorder. But because of that, it was really hard for me to have that acceptance of like, yeah, I have a problem. And that just delayed getting the help that I needed at the time. So I guess just having that history of it just felt like this innocent, like I didn't even, I didn't like go try to lose weight or, or just try to like 
I don't know, try to go on a bunch of diets, but it just kind of snuck in and, and just having that, this realization that most women struggle with food and their bodies. Like I said, at some point in their lives or another, and it became such an idol for me personally. And it was such a, something that just took so much brain space that I could have been putting other places and it really did impact my relationship with God, my relationship with other people. It was just so all consuming. And I see a lot of that now, like with other people. So that's really just what I guess ignited this passion to help people get away from that and get to this place where they feel free, they feel peace and just like calm around food. I really believe that God made our bodies to just not have to go on a diet and not have to hold so much control around food in our bodies. And that, you know, he gave us just these like biologic functions in our bodies that help us know how to eat in a way that is really balanced and healthy. So when we tap into that wisdom and knowledge, then we can get away from that toxic dieting. And like the ultimate goal is to get to a place where food and body image is no longer something that just takes up all of your brain power, which is kind of where things tend to go for a lot of people. Gosh, you've said so many good things there. I like, yeah, I want to hit on so many things. But one of the things I love that you said there is that obviously, I mean, we will get to this eventually, but obviously like food is a good thing and God created us to crave. I mean, there's so many different illustrations of people gathering a table and eating and dining together that food is meant to be a good thing. And in this broken world where we are sinful people, we then cling to it as an idol. And I just think you've yeah, just explained that so well between the tension we feel that like, yes, it's a thing that we can all care about. And it's important that we keep our bodies healthy and put good things into it that fuel us and give us the energy that we need and also meant to enjoy. Like we should be enjoying what we are consuming, but also then where does that swing into too much enjoyment or too much, you know, just like thinking and meditate or like, you know, thinking through and obsessing over what you are putting in your body in a good way or a bad way. And so I just think you've identified that tension so well. And that is so, so hard. I mean, I'm like, yeah, well, that's I, really good. I was getting emotional weirdly in that and you sharing your story, you know, and thinking about so many friends and girls in my life that they're just constantly battled this and thinking through like, wow, I think it just hit me for the first time. Like food is such a part of life. Like you can't not have food. So it's like, if you're recovering from really struggling with any kind of disordered eating, like I just imagine that would be so hard walking through of like, well, I still have to eat. I still have to have three meals a day. My body still has to be nourished. And just probably the weight that that constantly feels to be, if you're really over consumed by it, it's just nonstop because three times a day you're faced with it. And so I kind of got emotional with you sharing that and just thinking about how it's affecting so many people in our life. And it's so interesting, too. I have to share. I mean, Samantha and I were talking prior to this. I don't talk about it a ton because it's not it wasn't a long part of my journey. But kind of like you, it's cool to hear your story a little bit. I had an eating disorder in high school. And a part of that was really just out of the sense of control. And obviously, as I've learned more about myself, and just as I've matured in my life, I have learned a lot that I crave control in a lot of different ways. And food became that really easy thing that I'm like, wow, I can so easily control what I look like what I feel like the compliments I receive how people look at me how people engage with me by what I put in my body and what I don't put in my body. And so it became this 
really like kind of snowball effect that I was like, oh shoot, I actually have a problem. One day I just noticed. And so it's one of those things that even now in my adult life, a lot of people don't know that about me because I just don't talk about it a lot because it's really not an issue anymore. But it is one of those things that I think, I don't know, I'm sweetly like kind of reminded by it sometimes, or just like there are moments where I'm like, oh wait, am I thinking about that weird? Because that's why I loved what you said about maybe a lot of people don't have an eating disorder, but they have a disordered idea of eating. And I think that's so true to just how we, our relationship with food can look at times and just our body image itself. Yeah. So we were kind of just saying like, obviously we all have these disordered views. Will you explain to us, Victoria, what you kind of see the world is pushing and teaching to us right now about the way we should quote unquote be viewing food and then like the right way we should be? One of the biggest things is that there are good foods and there are bad foods. And I was thinking too, you know, apart from food, there are good bodies and there are bad bodies. Like those are some of the biggest messages that I think lead to these disordered eating tendencies or an unhealthy relationship with food in ourselves is this belief that, all right, these foods are good or essentially food is more is a moral thing. So a lot of the work that I do with my clients is on seeing food as this neutral part of their life and really this building up this belief that all foods can be part of a healthy diet, part of just getting to a place where food is just part of your life and it's not something that's all controlling and you feel really calm around food is working on just that, like making peace with food. Because when you get to that place, like when when food has these labels, and this is kind of getting into other things, but when food has those labels, that's what leads to us thinking about it all the time, obsessing over it and like feeling guilty and like all of these emotions, like eating. I like to think of like eating is actually really simple when we just listen to our bodies. It's all of the extra drama, like the thoughts on like, there's this perfect way to eat. And like, these foods are good. These foods are bad. It's like all of that, that cloud of drama that makes it really hard and complicated for people. But when we really just strip that away and strip away those cultural, like external messages, and we really get more into the internal, everything is so much more simple. So I think that's one of the biggest messages that we get is just there's good foods and there's bad foods. And then along those same lines too, I think another big message that we get is this idea that we can't trust ourselves and we can't trust our bodies. And I'm not saying like, like trusting our, it was interesting that I actually heard from someone who is a Christian that they have some disagreements with intuitive eating because as Christians, we know that like our bodies are like, we have a sinful nature and we can't trust our sinful nature. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the actual like physical signals that your body gives you just like when you're thirsty, you know what that feels like physically in your body. We have the same types of cues around food and we can trust them. There's all this like just years and years of like dieting or just being surrounded by diet culture. There's this this message that you can't trust yourself. You have to have these rules around food of like, eat at this time, don't eat at this time, eat these foods, don't eat these foods. And it's really just taking us away from the fact that we can trust ourselves. We can trust our bodies. So I think those are the biggest things that we get as far as culture messages. Oh, that's so good. And just such a good reminder not to, you know, whoever is against intuitive eating for those, like what they would think is like more biblical reasons. Like, I think that's so important too, that we make sure as we're Christians and going about things like this, especially it's like, we have to recognize that an eating disorder is like, 
you know, a disorder, like something wrong with our body or our minds that are working together to make us unhealthy and like sick in a way. And so I think it's really dangerous if we start to like enmesh those two and we can't separate. Yes, like we have to view it as like God gave us the ability to be intuitive about our bodies. It's the same thing as like, you know, if your body doesn't feel right, if you're running a fever, if you're feeling sick, like those are your cues. If you're tired, you know, you need rest. It's like, those are intuitive ways, gifts we were given to be able to give our body what it needs. And so I love that you brought that up because I definitely think that that could be something maybe in Christian culture that maybe people would want to like downplay eating disorders, maybe same as like mental health of saying that like, you know, you could maybe just like pray about that or just like make sure I don't know what people would say but kind of just making a point to say like we got to keep that separate and we have to be able to help other believers in our community like get help that they need yeah I'm so glad you brought that up because like I want you to walk us through that so like what's your conversation with that person or another person who's like well I'm confused because as a Christian you know God did give us these good things but then I'm obsessing over them so like how walk us through kind of like how do you coach that of like being a Christian understanding like God did create you with a mind and a body, but then like also we are sinful, broken people. So like walk us through what that looks like for you personally, but then also how do you coach through that with Christians specifically? Well, I think one of the biggest things is just having that separation of like, like you were talking about, like your body gives you physically cues and we're so quick to encourage people to listen to that need for sleep or rest or I guess rest is like one of the biggest, quickest examples, but, but then when it comes to thinking about like honoring our hunger and paying attention to those types of cues, specifically with hunger, I think there is just such a fear around like being too full. So there's this distrust that happens with that, but it's really just a physical cue that your body is giving you. So I think it's, it's totally separate and has nothing to do with like sinful nature self. And as far as like, you know, yeah, we do live in a broken world. And I think that these are my thoughts, but I think Satan has really gotten such a hold on women's hearts and minds through dieting. Because like I said, for me, it was, it became this idol that like consumed me, took up all of my thoughts. And I can think of so many women who eat, live and breathe every single day thinking about am I doing enough? Am I healthy enough? Am I exercising enough? And like we said, these are all good things. We do want to take care of our physical bodies, but when we take it to this extreme where we don't have our priorities, right? I think is really where it is. Then that can start to affect us. And I will say too, I think there's such a focus on physical health and you kind of touched on it a second ago, but not as much the mental health. And when we think about like, obsessively thinking about health and like counting calories or macros or, you know, just being so just consumed by health and nutrition every single day, it takes a toll on your mental health, you know, so much more stress around food. And that can lead to like a slew of other issues afterwards, but we're not considering our mental health as part of our health when we're so focused on just the physical, just the physical aspect of our bodies. 
Yeah, that's so good. You said several things there I want to touch on and like even what Samantha said earlier in the podcast. So to walk us through some of those red flags, because recently, I think it was a few weeks ago, you even mentioned you actually even brought something up to me. And I think something on Instagram you said about food bringing satisfaction, like we are meant to eat food that like we're not just eating it again for a fuel, but even for like to satisfy us. And to be honest, if I it's one of those areas that I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't often think about that. I for sure like love ice cream and that I'm like, yes, I want to satisfy myself with ice cream. But I'm like, I don't often eat food necessarily for my satisfaction. I'm eating it thinking, yes, it is a good or bad. So walk us through like even you mentioning those red flags of like, are we thinking about it all the time? Like Samantha said, how do we recognize those red flags like in ourselves, but then also in friends and like, give us some tips for talking to people about that? Or how do we navigate that? Kind of like talk about that for us. Yeah. So I'd say for anyone who's like, wondering where am I at with my relationship with food? One of the best things you can do is just, I don't know, answer that question for yourself, because (laughs) I think we have a lot of wisdom in that area of, you know, like if we were actually honest with ourselves of like, how do I feel about my relationship with food? How do I feel about my relationship? If you're uncomfortable right now, like even thinking about (laughs) it, like maybe that, you know, could be a sign. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are thinking about food and calories. And there's like this anxiety and like, like thinking about how anxiety feels in your body or stress feels in your body. For a lot of people, that's like feeling like your heart is racing a little bit, or there's like a pressure on your chest or you're breathing a little heavier. If you're kind of noticing some of that, when you are around certain foods, that could be just like a very practical signal that maybe there's some anxiety that I have around this food. And I think also just one of the things that a lot of my clients talk about is kind of like the end goal for them is wanting to get to a place where they can be really present with people in their lives, with their family. And they feel like food is just taking up a lot of mental space. Like I kind of mentioned before, food and exercise and just wellness in general, because the way that our culture has kind of morphed in from this place of like, Atkins diet, South Beach diet, like these specific diets to now, not many people say I'm going on a diet, but there's a lot of this like obsession with, we call it like wellness culture now, where it's like this obsession with the wellness trends and feeling bad and like stressed out about, you know, certain wellness trends, like not keeping up with them and just this like fear mongering. So just being aware of that inside of you, other trends like, If you're noticing that you feel out of control around food, you're overeating, that is oftentimes related somehow to the way that you're thinking about food. So these are all things that when we really get down to the root of the problem, which is how I like to describe it, I kind of think about like dieting as a whole is like a band-aid on the problem. And it's not actually getting to the actual root. Like a lot of people will decide to, you know, clean up their diet or start different things because they're feeling out of control around food, right? But that's only going to fix the issue for a temporary amount of time. The real issue is deeper rooted on kind of like we talked about a moment ago, like that desire for control and like the fear of losing control or idea that there's like this, it's like perfectionist kind of tendencies. I heard it said once, and I kind of like this quote that it's never actually about the food. It's always about something else. 
in the way that we're thinking about ourselves, about food. And so that is a lot of the work that I do with people is really getting to those base beliefs about how they see food, how they see themselves and work on, on those core beliefs and values. That's so good. That kind of is a good little self-check. And I was kind of joking, but like, seriously, I think it's for a lot of things in life, whether, you know, conviction in certain things or just if you can't really broach a topic, usually for, I guess, in my personal life, that's usually a good sign that there's something a little off with that. And so, yeah, if you're listening to this episode and you've never thought of yourself as having an eating disorder or any type of disordered view of eating, but you're hearing some of these things and you're feeling that tension of like, oh my gosh, I, I think about food so much more than I realize or in this making me think about that like that's also okay too and that's really cool that you're able to name that and hear some of this and recognize like oh like I just want to be more aware even if that's a good first step but something Victoria I really want to ask and maybe there's no perfect answer but over the years you know high school college now in my 20s I've had a handful of people that are close in my life that I spend a good amount of time with that I see things that I know probably are not safe and healthy for them and they start to feel a little like out of hand. Is it okay to approach a friend? And if so, like how would you do that and just say like, hey, I'm worried about you? I mean, I know it's probably so circumstantial, but do you have any ideas on that? Yeah, I think that having that kind of conversation would be really helpful. Like I think about for myself, if no one had ever said anything, I mean, who knows what would have happened. I'm, I think that I did have some awareness, but I think that it was almost like hearing it from specifically like my mom really brought it to my attention first out of everyone. And I know that it was something that my friends knew was a problem, but they never really approached it. They kind of said things like, oh, you're too skinny or, you know, things like that, but never really had that hard conversation. And I, I do think looking back that it would have been helpful because like I said, I, I had no awareness at the time of like, I was doing anything wrong. It just looked normal in my eyes. And I think that even if they like push back or have some resistance to it, which is so hard, like this is, there's no easy way to answer this. It's a hard conversation to have with someone that you love, but just knowing that I think it can be and and really, really could make a difference in someone's life to just have that person to point that thing to them from a place of love and care. And, and I think the words that you said were would be great. Just like, hey, I'm really concerned about you. I've noticed this, this, or this. How are you doing? Because again, going back to it's never actually about the food. There's always something else that is driving the eating disorder, driving the disordered eating. So having that awareness too of like there's a deeper thing happening here underneath what's going on with the food. And and likely, you know, there's, you know, if you think about like mental health disorders, a lot of times that kind of behavior is coming from a need for love or attention, or, you know, they're searching for something. So I think that, you know, just praying into it and like going into it with a gentle and loving spirit would be really helpful. That's good advice because I think all of us are probably like why your friends in high school or whenever it was didn't want to say anything or why I've been hesitant is because it's so personal and sensitive and you don't want to hurt them 
or make them think that you're just like evaluating everything that they do, casting judgment or, you know, that you're worried about the backlash. Because most of us, like when we're called out on something that just is wrong or not saying it's wrong, but like that we're struggling with it, we're first defensive. And so then that never feels good when you're the person having to be that one. And so all that, like, I do think that's cool to hear you say like, no, it is okay in the right circumstance with love and like through prayer to come to someone. So I feel like we've barely scratched the surface with all this and could go so much deeper, but kind of to like jump off of that last question, if someone's listening or if you're walking a friend through like those conversation, what would be a good first step? I mean, you can share how people maybe could find you or people like you online, but would they go to their doctor? Would they, like, how could they start getting help? Thankfully, there's a lot of free resources out right now, which is really great. So kind of like the first step in, I kind of think of it like you want to create for yourself like an intuitive eating bubble because diet culture is, you know, at this point still probably pretty triggering. And so I like to think of it as like, just create for yourself a little bubble through who you're following on social media. There's a lot of intuitive eating accounts. You can for sure come follow me, but there's a lot of resources out there and you really want to do like a clean sweep almost. And if you're following people who are promoting diets or doing a lot of like body shaming kind of messages or food shaming messages, even if it's a temporary unfollow, but unfollowing them because we're really influenced by social media, especially in this area of food and body image. And a couple of other things I recommend actually getting rid of your scale too, because that is just like another external influence that doesn't really serve you, especially, you know, in this area of when you're trying to get more in tune with your body. So that's something that I usually recommend and really just starting to get curious with yourself. I think that that is one of the best things that you can do is just to start to get curious in this area of food and body image, because a lot of times if you're kind of struggling with that disordered or unhealthy relationship, there's a lot of judgmental type of self-talk happening. So if you can just kind of start to shift towards something more curious, like, you know, for example, that could be like, say you notice a negative body image thought about a part of your body. You can literally just catch that and say something like, oh, it's interesting how I am thinking this thing or noticing some anxiety around certain types of food. And, oh, it's interesting how I'm anxious about this. What this does is it can just create a little bit of separation from your thoughts and yourself. And that's where a lot of this healing and growth in that area of your mindset can really happen. So those are a couple of things that I think you could get started with into just creating a little bubble for yourself as you're doing this work and then working on getting more curious with yourself and your thinking. Yeah, I thought that was so good. I think, I mean, I could, I feel like we could apply that to a lot of ways. I love how you're so holistic with that because obviously, if we are trying to fight something, then like, why would we not fight that in like every area of our life and our thought life and our what we're looking at, what we're spending time with? I mean, you could say that about a lot of different things that we're all trying to fight. And I just love your like holistic approach of like, let's like set you up for success and kind of like 
you know, putting you on a good path to start, you know, working against this and getting a healthy and, you know, good place with that. So that's awesome. You have had so much wisdom. Yeah. I feel like we've like scratched the surface. We we might have to have a a part two with you. Yes. That is so good. Yeah. We for sure will put all of our notes of like how to find you and how people can connect with you in our show notes. And so we want to make sure that people have your contact and can reach out. But we are doing a few interviews this summer and we kind of are like wanting to wrap each one up by asking some summer bucket list, maybe ideas if you and your family have any. But what are you guys up to this summer? and What's on that list for you guys? And I want to ask you because you're all about food, like if you have a fun summer recipe, like a drink or a salad or something fun that you love to indulge in the summer. Ooh, so good. Okay. I'll answer the food question first. The top thing that's on my mind is the other day, you know, just blazing hot here right now. So the other day we grilled something outside and it was chicken and veggie, like Greek chicken and veggie kebabs. And we, I served it with some hummus and we had like little grape leaves that we just had in the pantry. So we had that together and it was so good. And I've been eating it all week for lunch too, but just like love that, like grilling and like fresh type food when it's so hot outside is just really hitting the spot. And then as far as some (laughs) also, why is it that I love like the Greek bowls and like Greek seasoning so much more in the summer too? Is it like the freshness of the acid in the like, I don't know. I think it's the acid in the dressing or something. Yeah, we both love like a lot of the Greek flavors. So yes. we're doing like Greek bowls all the time. Mm, so good. Yeah. And then as far as summer bucket list, I was trying to think about this because we've already done so many things that I would think would be on our bucket list to do. Like we've already been to the beach twice and oh, jealous. You're, you're so, please just understand that we are in Missouri, which is like the, the middle of the place to get to any kind of beach. I was at the beach last week, but it's like, oh, it's yeah, you such, have nowhere to talk. Well, I'm just Amanda. saying, like, we have to drive 13 hours to touch the tip of Florida. Like, to get anywhere beachy, yeah. we have to make a lot. So I'm very jealous that you've had two uh-huh. trips to the beach already. Yeah, which was so fun. It was the last time that we went to the beach, my son was four months old. And so to have both of the kids running around was so fun. But I don't know, maybe here's one. We just got a Jenny's ice cream. Do you guys know Jenny's ice cream? Yes. When I travel to cities, I get it a lot. Yeah, I love it. We just got one in Greenville. And even though I think a cone of ice cream is like $8. It's worth it. It it would be nice to go to Jenny's. Yeah. (laughs) To get rid of the shock but fun fact for anyone in missouri or wherever you're listening if you don't have a jenny's you can get it shipped to you so i've <laughs> i actually have done that and it's a fun like christmas gift to someone too to ship them some oh, you've never gotten me that for a gift and you know i love ice cream i'm so sorry i will put that on my list let me think right. let me think that through for this christmas <laughs> that's amazing i love that yeah so we really appreciate your time and like i said guys everyone go follow her because the content that you're putting out i mean i think we hear like people, you know, a lot that are putting out content and sometimes certain things can just be like, oh, that's a lot of information or like maybe they're just putting it out to put it out. But you, I feel like from following you personally are so intentional about what you're putting on Instagram and have so much good wisdom. Even if you don't think this is something you're struggling with a ton, I would just encourage everyone to give you a follow. And so can people book like sessions with you? Can people become clients virtually? If so, how does that work? Yeah. So if anyone wants to follow, first of all, you can find me at non-diet underscore RN. 
And I offer a free consult for whoever is like potentially interested in working with me. I work with all of my clients for six months. We do weekly coaching calls for six months. So it's like a really you know deep dive into this area of their lives. But we could do a free consult that they can book at my Instagram page or at... I made an easy link. It's bit.ly forward slash call Victoria Yates. And then I also have a podcast. I don't know if you guys knew that, but I have a podcast called the Redefining Health Podcast. So if anyone wants to, if anyone loves podcasts, yes, which you obviously go listen. do, yes. go listen. Yeah. We're yeah. always giving different podcast recommendations because if you listen to podcasts, you probably like to listen to a lot of different ones. So we love that. <laughs> yeah. We really do love your content and we are both consumers of that. And so, yeah, if you guys need to follow anyone like this, it is really helpful. And just again, filling your feed with like good things and good ways of thinking. You have been just really knowledgeable in this area and we are appreciative for just the conversation today. Yeah. So, thank you for joining us. Yeah. You guys so much. Such a pleasure. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.